This is Beliefs, an exploration of ideas behind the news of religion. I'm Bill Baker. Norman Vincent Peale was one of the most famous ministers of the 20th century. You were never born to lose. He was one of the first radio and later television preachers. You were never born to be a failure. His program, The Art of Living, aired for 54 years. Peale was very much at the intersection of religion and politics. He was a close friend of Richard Nixon and awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by Ronald Reagan. You were born to be the contrary of all those things. Many presidents spoke well of him. Donald Trump attended his church, Marble Collegiate, with his parents when he was young. Both he and his two sisters were married there. Reportedly, he cited Peel as a formative influence in his life. Who was this famous preacher and author? We're joined by someone who should know. His daughter, Elizabeth Peel Allen, chairman of the Board of Guideposts. We met her at her office in Connecticut. Liz, thank you for doing this. Thank you, Bill. Great to be with you. Well, let's talk about your father. How do you remember him? Now, you're going to remember him a lot differently than, uh, <laughs> you know, than the media because you were there. Was he a close, wonderful parent? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, mind you, he and my mother were very busy people. They had a lot of responsibilities and, and uh, uh, undertakings. Um, but when they were with me as the youngest of three, um, they were with me. And um, uh, mother believed in doing things as a family, and she created those kinds of moments, which uh, are, are lasting memories for for us. So was he, uh, as I say, busy? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, was he uh, taken, uh, uh, was he away from home uh, on a number of occasions? Absolutely. But when, um, when he was there, he was there. We'll talk about what it was like around the dinner table and the famous people that your father knew. But he really was probably the first media preacher of any real consequence in America, followed by many other significant people and remains significant to this day and had one of the best sellers of all time. What was his religious background? What specifically, what kind of minister was he? What denomination, et cetera? Well, Dad uh, was a, uh, ordained in the Methodist Church. He went to Boston uh, University School of Theology, which I believe has as Methodist ties. When he came to New York in 1932, the church that called him, the Marble Collegiate Church, was part of the Reformed Church in America, uh, formerly called the Dutch Reformed Church. Uh, the Dutch brought their church with them when they came to Manhattan, and the Collegiate Church has a continuous history from 1628. And your father was the main minister there for 52 years, is that correct? That, that is correct. There are four churches in, the city, in, in Manhattan that are collegiate churches, and he was the um, senior minister at Marble Collegiate Church for 52 years. Now, what were the forces that came together in all of those years that drew attention to your father and the work he was doing, and can you describe his work and his theology and philosophy? He became popularized because he was interested in reaching as many 
people as he possibly could. Coming to the city of New York in 1932, was at the bottom of the Depression or the height of the Depression, whichever way you want to describe it. The church was empty. Uh, Marble uh, can hold, I think it's 12 to 1,500 people. He um, wished that there hadn't been a balcony because nobody had sat in the balcony in many years. So he figured he would go out into the community and accept any invitation that was offered to him to speak about the church, his faith, and his beliefs, and encourage people to come inside the church. He uh, has been described as an incredibly powerful speaker, and we have some examples here. What, uh, where did he get all of that, and was it a real emotional experience for him to speak? So Dad uh, was a, a son of Ohio. He was born in uh, 1898. His generation, especially those uh, um, public speakers from Ohio, uh, he, he, he drew on, on, on the gifts and the um, abilities of others uh, to, to, f- to form a, to tell a story and to grab people through his words. His father was also a Methodist minister and a medical doctor. Um, They lived in small towns, and they um, had one, as you can only imagine, at the turn of the century, turn of the 20th century, uh, a very uh, devout and uh, hardworking uh, community and family. Um, So, but, Coming to New York is a whole different story, and and even though it was the Depression, he used his gifts that had been honed in that Ohio, formative years in Ohio. Now, one time, a few years back, I was sitting in my room on the 21st floor of the Conrad Hilton Hotel in Chicago, looking out at Lake Michigan, when there came a rap at the door, and I opened it to find a very attractive young fellow who had a mop, had a a pail on his arm filled with water and some claws and uh, rubber things that they uh, clean windows with. And he said, I'm awfully sorry to disturb you, my friend, but he said, my job is to wash so many windows in this hotel, and uh, would it be okay if I came in and washed the window? Well, I said, certainly. I'd like to see you do this job. <laughs> he was very nonchalant and still talking to me. He went over, raised the window, and put out one leg. I said, hey, wait a minute. It's 21 floors down to the street. He says, so what? And he attached his uh, belt, brought it around him, attached to the other side, and stepped out into space while I closed my eyes. (laughs) And he grinned at me through the window. Then he came in, he went out the other window, it was the corner of the room and did the same. And I said, you know, you astonish me. 
stepping out in space like that. Doesn't it worry you or fill you with fear? He said, no, why should it? He said, this belt has been tested and it works. And that bolt outside the window to which it's attached is regularly tested and it's built into the brick wall of this building. I have faith in it and I have faith in my belt. But he said, when I step out there, I always say a prayer along with it. <laughs> you see, daily, you and I have to step out in space into the unknown. Uh, when, he, uh, when he spoke, I guess a lot of people listened. When he wrote, a lot of people read. Um, his his book, The Power of Positive Thinking, was one of the best sellers of all time. The substance of that book is really what its what its name is, uh, but there are also elements of prayer and psychology and psychiatry in it. Do you care to comment? Well, my comment is the book. The, he wrote forty seven books in the course of his uh, lifetime, um, and. It, um, the Power of Positive Thinking was published in 1952. It was not the, his first book, but it obviously is the, the most well-known and well-read. and well read. His title for the book was The Power of Faith. His editor, in reading the manuscript a number of times, pointed out that he used the phrase The Power of Positive Thinking many times in the manuscript and suggested that is the title instead of the power of faith, thinking that it would have a broader appeal, no pun intended, uh, and so and so it happened that that's how the that's how the title came came to be. Um, Dad was uh, nat- in natively a shy person. I'm not going to say an introverted person because anybody that can get up before an audience, whether it's in a church or in a television studio or in a public hall uh, has to have some confidence to be able to do that. I have often said that he wrote the book as much for himself as for those who later came to read it. Um, he, he needed that sense of, of uh, belief in himself and belief in God. Nothing is impossible to him that believe it. But you've got to believe with intensity and with desire. If you've got those two things, a miracle can happen in your life at any time, even now. That's what positive thinking, positive faith can do for you. Now, it all depends on the kind of thoughts that go through the mind. If you think yourself down, you're going to be down. If you think yourself up, you will be bound to go up because you are what you think. Now, the book, of course, received much praise and was read by millions and millions of people, but it also had detractors who were significant detractors. Uh, the very distinguished theologian uh, Reinhold Niebuhr, 
um, uh, other, uh, other theologians and experts and people in the world of psychology and psychiatry uh, criticized heavily the book. Uh, and um, how did all that go down and what were their main criticisms? I don't, I don't think it went down very well with Dad. Mm -hmm. Um, I've mentioned already that he was a, um, maybe needed a little confidence boosting from time to time and uh, being criticized by uh, uh, notable folks such as the ones you mentioned um, was not uh, a happy occurrence for, for him. Um, but he powered on through and, uh, and with the help of mother and others, maybe even us, our, his kids, um, uh, encouraged him to keep going. He had a partner, uh, Smiley Blanton, who was a psychiatrist, a psychologist, uh, who ran a clinic r right next door along with, I suppose, your father next door to the church. They wrote a book together. Uh, but even Smiley Blanton was not, a, uh, not an endorser of, of the power of positive thinking. Really, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the, as the story goes, when Dad um, came to New York in the 30s, um, he, people were desperate. People were in trouble. People were unhappy. They were, their economic uh, impact was huge. He had never had the uh, training that clergy has today in counseling and in using psychological principles along with um, uh, religious principles to, to help people in need. So he asked the um, medical director of the city of New York if he knew any psychiatrist or psychologists that he could learn from. And he was directed toward Dr. Smiley Blanton, a, a native of Tennessee and a psychiatrist having been, um, as they say, cleared um, by Sigmund Freud. So Dr. Blanton and Dr. Peel got to talking, and they agreed to work together to uh, train uh, ministers and, and other religious individuals in the ways of psychology and to take psychologists and add the spiritual dimension. Uh, that was in 1937, and today the Blanton Peel Institute and Counseling Center uh, is alive and well on 30th Street in Manhattan. That's a pretty impressive longevity. Uh, some of the quotes from your, from your father's book and I guess from his preaching are pretty interesting. Uh, quotes like, change your thoughts and you change your world. Believe in yourself, have faith in your abilities. Without a humble but reasonable confidence in your own powers, you cannot be successful or happy. It's always too early to quit. The life of inner peace being harmonious and without stress is the easiest type of existence. The trouble with most of us is that we would rather be ruined by praise than saved by criticism. Your dad had some very interesting quotes. Mm -hmm. Very interesting quotes. It's fun to hear them again. Um, he was a gifted, uh, gifted speaker. He never used notes. Uh, he never read from a manuscript uh, when he was uh, speaking publicly, whether it was in church or or at a convention or um, on the on the radio or television. Um, he had a great sense of timing and a great sense of humor, which he used to his advantage. Uh, he kept an audience in the palm of his hand. My wife and I were in Hong Kong 
And uh, that's supposed to be the bargain center of the world. But uh, they got to be rather expensive bargains. And my wife, to my uh, dismay and sadness, found a dressmaker in Hong Kong. And I went over there with her one day to try on something. She was doing the trying on. And the place was filled with women, and I decided it was no place for me. So I went out to take a walk while this uh, was going on. And I walked through the little winding streets of Kowloon. And I came to a place that said Tattoo Parlor. And I don't know what ever made me stop, but I looked in the window. And when the Chinese man inside saw me standing there, he thought he had a customer for sure. <laughs> and even more so when I saw the kind of tattoos that you could get put on your arms or chest. Uh, most of them were pretty girls. Mermaids and sirens. And you could get the flag of your country tattooed on you. And little sayings. And one of the sayings that he had marked up there was, born to lose. And I thought, would anybody in his right mind tattoo on his chest, born to lose? And this intrigued me so that I went into the tattoo parlor. And the man said, take off your coat and sit down. I said, no, I'm not a customer. I noticed a sign in the window, born to lose. Do you mean to tell me that anybody ever came in here and had that tattooed on them? Yes, he says several. Well, I said, how in the world would anybody thus label himself? Now, this Chinese man couldn't speak English much better than I can speak Chinese. <laughs> but he, he could communicate. And he must have been a descendant of Confucius because he proved himself to be a philosopher. He says... Before tattoo on chest, tattoo on mind. Meaning that a long time before anybody in ignominy would uh, tattoo on his body that he was born to lose, he got the idea in his mind that he was born to lose. So I'd like to tattoo on your mind this morning. You were never born to lose. You were never born to be a failure. You were never born to be weak. You were never born to be sinful. You were never born to be a non-believer. You were born to be the contrary of all those things. You were created in the image of Almighty God. You were born to be somebody. 
your father uh, had in his church some of the most famous people of the time, actually almost all of the famous people of the time, and of course many of the major uh, political figures, including presidents. Who do you remember? You know, you were a little girl during the height of your father's uh, preaching uh, and success at the church, so these people must have always been hanging around your house, having dinner with your parents, et cetera, when you were there. Who do you remember? What, what little stories would you like to tell us? We were uh, fans of the Brooklyn Dodgers. You remember the Brooklyn Dodgers? And in, um, uh, we became family friends with several of the players back in those days, like uh, Carl Erskine, who is still a friend. And we talk on the phone once or twice a year. He's in his mid-90s now. So the, the yes, I, we uh, met President Nixon, but actually Nixon, Richard Nixon had come to, the, uh, to Marvel Church for the worship uh, when he was in the Navy. So that goes way back uh, many, many years before he was in politics. We, sure, met uh, lots of interesting people like Lowell Thomas and uh, Thomas E. Dewey, and who was a neighbor, and and others. Hmm. Roy Rogers. Oh, Roy Rogers and Dale Evans. That's true. Yes, that that's good for you to remind me of that. Uh, uh, so yes, he, he he. Oh, Lucille Ball. Yeah, that was. So all of those people came to your dad's church to Marble Collegiate. Were they religious people, uh, or were they there because of the power of your father's speaking? Probably both. I think I think Roy Roy and Dale were religious people. She wrote a book uh, that would indicate that. And um, as far as Lucille Ball, I think Dad married her and her second husband, Gary Morton. I believe they that he actually did that. And as we say, uh, your father married uh, uh, Donald Trump and uh, other political figures. There's one, I, uh, we're not going to be talking politics uh, in this interview, but there is one interesting political quote from Adelaide Stevenson that I have to use, which is, I find St. Paul appealing and St. Peel appalling. Um, there were other uh, 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 people like uh, Edmund Fuller, the Episcopal uh, editor uh, who called uh, your father the pitchman from the pulpit. Um, again, any thoughts about some of those things, that, those kinds of criticisms, which I'm surprised existed. Uh, I didn't hear about those because I was a little boy during that period, but they apparently very much existed. I think it was tough for Dad, um, um, and you know, uh, Adlai Stevenson's. He was a, p a politician, and to come up with the, that those words that were a play on words, um, uh, probably somebody worked hard on that and told him what to say. Looking back now, over uh, a fifty-plus year career of your father in the ministry. And again, as I say, one of the most famous uh, media preachers in history. Um, what do you think, what do you, uh, what do you, Liz Peel, feel uh, was your dad's greatest contribution? Lasting contribution, his writings and his uh, sermons. His creativity, his work ethic, I remember he said, saying to mother one time, are, when are we going to retire? And she said, we're never going to retire. We're going to keep 
working because there are things to do and things to do. Uh, I'm so proud of him. I'm proud every day that his uh, message is still available and um, and can be can be garnered by anybody uh, on the um, in all these devices that we use to uh, learn today. Uh, he was a genuine human being, and uh, he was a lot of fun. Elizabeth Peel Ellen, thank you. Thank you, Bill. Beliefs is brought to you with the support of the Bernard L. Schwartz Center for Media, Public Policy, and Education at the Graduate School of Education at Fordham University. Jonathan Woodward is our producer. The theme music is by Edward Billis. Listen to our headlines on this same podcast. I'm Bill Baker, and thanks for listening.